श्रीला गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरि नाम संकीर्तन की जय गौर भक्त वृंद की जय गौर प्रेमानंद हरिओ सो प्रणाम टू ऑल ऑफ यू एंड मोर देन वेलकम माय ग्रीटिंग्स फ्रॉम Madhuban <clears throat> here in Costa Rica I have arrived 2 days ago so very happy to be here in the land of Sri Sri Dauji Gopal with all the local dhambasis and of course with all the dhambasis that all of you each of you represent as well at least in the aspiring to reside in the dham eternally somehow or other so I'm very happy to to begin this new series of lectures uh in this case about vaishnava etiquette it's a topic that uh i always thought very important and and before deciding which will be the next topic for our series since we have gone through many variety a big variety of topics this last year or so from panchatatva to gorstakali lila to i don't know uh upadeshamritan gopi gita Raghavarma Chandrika, so different nuanced uh, sharings. So I felt it would be an interesting contribution to balance uh, these different presentations with something more connected with daily behavior, daily practices, uh, daily dynamics in the life of a sadaka. So I I felt that Vaishnava ticket was a good one. For this, I, of course, I asked my Guru Maharaj about it, and and he expressed he he liked the topic. He he was giving his blessings for that. Although he told me I would have never thought speaking about something like this, <laughs> but at the same time he told me that he really approved of it. So like, so I felt okay. He will never have to talk about that, but so I I may try to complement some of those things, hopefully in his service and the service of the Vaishnavas. So. I'm not sure how long this will take this series I have not put a specific amount of time because who knows where we will end in this particular journey but I will try to to address some of the main points regarding Vaishnava etiquette but also I would like to invite you as well I will re- re- repeat this invitation at the end just in case someone may connect later to the lecture also I would like to hear any suggestions you may have in the context in the broader context of vaishnava etiquette whatever a specific topic uh, you will like especially to hear about in the con- in the broader again perimeter of vaishnava etiquette you may send some your suggestions through private message or some or other i will remind this at the end nonetheless so uh, we have put this name to the series vaishnava etiquette and as a subtitle we have chosen to call it rules and love in the life of a sadaka so i think these two two words are important somehow or other they may be representative of bhakti and raga bhakti respectively rules bhakti love raga and as we have spoken in our previous ser- series of raga varma chandrika uh, there is a place for both especially in in in, in the beginner stage of our practice even as raga bhakti sadakas there is a place for rules there is a place for bhakti 
in the context of what Jiva Goswami called Ajata Ruchi Raga Bhakti. Sometimes Raga Bhakti is translated as spontaneous, but sometimes it's not that spontaneous in the beginning. And also you may be a Bhaiti Bhakta in Vaikuntha, and your Bhakti for Narayan will be considerably spontaneous. So I prefer to use some other word and refer to that, and the point is, until we reach spontaneity in our devotional expression, rules are there for pro- properly promoting that, of course, not for uh, um, swallowing mm. our emotional project, but for properly nurturing. Mm. So we will continue speaking a little bit more later about rules and, and, their, and their role in our developing of love. Mm. So today, in our present first-person lecture, I would like to share some brief introduction about uh, what's Vaishnava etiquette about, or what should be, how it should be understood ideally, and how should it be not understood ideally as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, actually, this concept of Vaishnava etiquette is quite uh, underestimated by many uh, for whatever reasons. So, I, I would like to hopefully, not to, of course, overestimate it, <laughs> but properly estimate it in, in, in its real light. Mm-hmm. And, and be, but that will come with a proper understanding and a proper appreciation of the real purpose of the different advices that are included in this idea of Vaishnava etiquette. So, since sometimes it, Vaishnava etiquette is underestimated because of a mis apprehension or misunderstanding of what's that. Before I start to introduce what's Vaishnava etiquette about, first I will share what's Vaishnava etiquette is not. Sometimes when we try to say what what is something is about, sometimes the best uh, technique or strategy will be to <laughs> start describing what that's not about. Mm-hmm. So, because on many occasions we have to, first of all, demystify, if you will, some distorted meanings we have projected onto something, uh, to deconstruct mm, some particular, uh, whatever, paradigm that we have in connection to this or that. So, Vaishnava etiquette is not the exception to the rule. Mm. So, what Vaishnava etiquette is not? Let's start by using, resorting to indirect language. So Vaishnava etiquette, we could say, of course, you may have also many ideas in your minds already about this. But I will share a few of them. So Vaishnava etiquette is not, let's say, some, uh, how do you say, official law, cold-hearted law, which is pointing to some, let's say, forced pattern or robotic behavior. That's not Vaishnava etiquette at all. Or Vaishnava etiquette is not just it's, it's not about following some I don't know irrational advice, which is against my real interest, or at least I'm perceiving as such, and nobody's giving a proper explanation about why to do what. Vaishnava uh, etiquette has not the intention to repress ourselves. It's not about repression at all, or. Vaishnava etiquette is not there for making us uh, traumatized people, neurotic personalities, frustrated fellows who feel uh, they are never up to the standard or they cannot express themselves 
naturally or there are just uh, their individualities not being considered no? but also of course Vaishnava etiquette is not the opposite of that no? as we will see at the end also it's not just about doing whatever I want in a whimsical way rejecting all types of rules and advice because again we are not in a position to just allow ourselves to fully flow mm, in a free way because we are not that free yet as conditioned souls mm. so <clears throat> Vaishnava etiquette is coming to, to teach us but from a very humble side from a very loving mm, side there is a, a feeling behind all these rules that we will learn here behind every one of these rules if you want to call them as such there is a feeling waiting for us if you will there is an emotion a potential a potentiality emotional potentiality waiting for us if we properly embrace each one of these loving advices so in other words in brief in summary Vaishnava etiquette is not something that is coming to our life uh, to limit us but exactly the opposite to allow us to be all that we can be as we have said many times to be the best uh, available version of ourselves to really take advantage of our fullest potential so we should know that if that's going on we are properly embracing the concept of Vaishnava etiquette and if the opposite is going on it's not that Vaishnava etiquette is at fault but we are not properly addressing, approaching this idea. So that's why it's important to introduce what's Vaishnava etiquette and again what is not. So what is Vaishnava etiquette? Also it's something of course beautiful, again it's something very refined, implies very refined considerations and should be natural on one level or another given our unnatural present condition if you will, because again to be a uh, Nityabada to be in conditioned souls, the very term speaks about there is something that is not yet fully natural. So how some of these things could be pro naturally, relatively naturally mm, embraced by us in our unnatural situation or from our natural side, <laughs> we'll try to speak about that. Mm. But I'm saying this why? Because sometimes some of the advices coming from the Vaishnava etiquette may be seen as, I don't know, unnatural or difficult or austere, but sometimes that will be showing again how far we may still be from that ideal natural standard of spontaneous devotion. And again, this is not to discourage anyone, but just to properly establish where we are, where our goal lies, and what's the distance between one thing or the other, as my Guru Maharaj uses to say. As the GPS is also showing, when you want to travel somewhere, you need to establish where you are and where do you want to go. And on the basis of those two points, the path will be revealed. So, and of course, in the middle of the path, so many stances will be there and you have to recalculate that the GPS also says, recalculating. So we, there is place for that also in the realm of Vaishnava etiquette. So again... We have rules and we have love, as we say in the subtitle of the series. So Vaishnava etiquette has all to do with rules trying to promote feeling. And of course, when that feeling fully 
activates, let's say we reach something like bhava or higher stages of sadhana bhakti, uh, that will rule us. That bhava will be the rule. Feeling will be the law, if you will. That's the very idea of sadhana bhakti, actually. If we pay close attention, the very definition of sadhana bhakti, the official definition of sadhana given by Srila Rupa Goswami in his Bhaktira Samrita Sindhu established this point. He says, Kriti Sadhya Bhavet Sadhya Bhavasa Sadhana Abhida Nitya Siddhasya Bhavasya Prakatyam Haridhi Sadhyata. In brief words, the very first part it says, Sadhana Bhakti is all about using one's body and senses in the context of Bhakti in such a way that those devotional acts invoke the arrival of Bhava, of a emotion proper. So first we need, again, sadhana bhakti, as, as we know, is like preliminary, Jiva Goswami will say, preliminary acts before we enter the stage of bhakti proper. Like when you are doing a yajna, and you need first to buy ghee and wood and get all this stuff that are not part of the yajna officially, but are part of the yajna because they are preliminary acts without which yajna wouldn't be there. So Jiva Goswami says, sadhana bhakti is like the preliminary acts putting everything in place and together making the heart ready, preparing the stage for the descent of bhakti proper, if you will, in the form of bhava, what to speak, prem. So sadhana bhakti has a lot to do with rules in a proper way. And by the sadhana bhakti, raga sadhana bhakti. Some regulation, rule regulation. Regulation means we are not fully regulated yet, so we need some regulation, but in the particular revealed context. So that will give rise to the descent of Nitya Siddhasya Bhavasya, of Bhava, of a divine emotion. Because, but for Bhava to be there, we need to have some proper grounding. So that's what we are speaking here. Bhava is not just any type of emotion. We can become emotional without any big preparation, any, any preliminary act. All of, most of our present anarthas are types of emotion. But they are non-philosophical emotions. They are emotions that do not require tattva, siddhanta, sadhana. They just come out naturally, quote-unquote, naturally. So Vaishnava etiquette has to do to certain advices, loving advices, trying to promote, creating the ground to, to promote the feeling, to promote the proper descent of bhava into the heart. Philosophical emotion, bhava, which has a ground of tattva and siddhanta. Sometimes Guru Maharaj will give the example, <clears throat> if you are digging a, a hole in the, in the, in the, in the, on the earth, mm-hmm. and, and, and you, you want actually to construct a temple, but first thing you have to do is you have to dig a hole in the earth. So for the uninformed observer, that may seem non-connected. What has to do, what you are doing there with the hole, but that, that's necessary as a foundation for building that. So in the same way, it, even though it may seem disconnected, it's really crucial to learn the basics of Vaishnava behavior and how to properly deal with everything, as we will see, in order for us create the proper ground for erecting up this stage of Ava eventually. Another word, we, we are using the term Vaishnava etiquette here but we could refer to it with many other terms as well. To go for a minute to the Sanskrit version of it, it will be, there are some of them, one of them will be sadachar, 
Maybe you have heard about that. Sad achar. Achar means behavior. And sad hmm, has to do with sadhu, with sadhana, with sadhya, <laughs> with sat. And sat has to do with truth, that which exists, that which is real. So sad means to be real. Sadhu. Sadhu is someone who is real. Honest person. Hmm? Bhagavatam says that Nirmatsaranam Satam. Satam means a totally honest person, brutally honest, as we spoke yesterday with one devotee. <laughs> That's the level of honesty and sincerity is ex expected from us. So Sadhachar means honest behavior, hmm? to have transparency in our uh, yeah, in our dealings hmm? as devotional aspirants. Another word, apart from sadhachar, which, again, is a parallel to Vaishnava etiquette, will be mariada. Mariada, which means, like, decorum of proper behavior, again, rectitude. Mm -hmm. We know Sri Ramachandra, for example, he's the very personification of mariada from the particular viewpoint of an ideal king. He's called mariada purushottam, mm -hmm. the supreme person enacting the lila of being a perfect example, in this case, as a king. Mariyada Purushottam. Krishna is Lila Purushottam, Mahaprabhu is Prem Purushottam. So different phases of the Absolute presenting different degrees, if you will, of expression in Lila. So, Sadachar, call it how you like. We will use these terms just for you to get accustomed to that. Sadachar, Mariyada, or, of course, Vaishnava etiquette, all these are synonyms. So, all this is what is expected from a Vaishnava, basically. If you are to be a Vaishnava, Vaishnavi, there's something expected from a Vaishnava. That's what we call Vaishnava etiquette, not just etiquette, because so many types of etiquette or decorum are there in the world. But Vaishnava etiquette. Like like the famous verse of the Bhagavad, say Guru Nasasyat, Sajano Nasasyat, Patim Nasasyat, and so on, which says, if you cannot free your dependence from the cycle of birth and death, you shouldn't become a guru. You shouldn't accept the position of a deva. You shouldn't become this or that. In another word, if you take a particular position, there is something expected from that. So we should be aware of that to properly honor that. Uh, identity, basically. Mm -hmm. So, Vaishnava etiquette, again, is something which is expected from a Vaishnava, we could say, and also, and mainly, towards another Vaishnava. Mm -hmm. How a Vaishnava is behaving him or herself, and how he or she is behaving towards others. Vaish to other Vaishnava and towards others in general as well. And towards everything. Not, not even, as we will see, towards people, but even towards... Uh, particular elements or ingredients mm, in life, in practice. Mm. But again, an important point that I think it should be is never enough emphasized is to be sadhachar. You know, we have to be honest and we have to be sincere. That's a very something that will warranty proper Vaishnava etiquette. Mm, and will warranty that we won't go mad in trying to embrace this. Mm. In Sanskrit, these are these terms, sharalata and nishkapata. So, sharalata means simple, to have simplicity, and nishkapata means to be free from duplicity, which is another way to say simple, actually. <laughs> so, 
Vaishnava etiquette will try to promote that. The real Vaishnava behavior is trying to live in a simple way, in a transparent way, which without duplicity or as which less duplicity as possible, gradually getting free from those layers that are the ones who retain us in this world of duplicity, basically. So Vaishnava etiquette, as you may have already, may have got the hint about, Vaishnava etiquette is uh, all about relationships. Mm. Because life is about relationships. Spiritual life specifically is about relationships. Um, spiritual devotional life, in our particular Gaudiya Vedanta specifically, is all about relationships. Mm. Because in our path, we are not a Veda Vedantist. We focus on the no-relationship eternal prospect. But relationship, and as we get closer to the goal, the principle of relationship will become more and more important. So, Vaishnava etiquette has all to do with that. And as I said before, a relationship <clears throat> actually established with people, generally we can see that in regarding to others, people, human beings. But also, relationship, we relate with everything actually. So, a relationship will be established not only with people, but with things as well. And we have to become experts in these two types of relationships. And that's what Vaishnava etiquette is about. On one side, again, relationship with people, basically and mainly we are speaking here about relationship with other Vaishnavas, and that, has, that takes a lot of forms also. How to relate with Vaishnavas from our own Paribar, from our own mission, with God brothers, God sisters, God siblings, how to relate with other devotees from other Paribars, from the same Paribar, from other missions, from other Sampradayas, how to relate with non-Vaishnavs, with non-devotees, with human beings in general. All this has to do with the idea of relationship with people. And second, relation, as, as I say, with things. Also in this case, as Gaudiya Vaishnavs, how to relate with items, sacred items in this case, that we may use in our daily practice in such a way that it becomes a meditation. That's an interesting prospect. How to connect with things in such a way that it becomes a meditation, a contemplation. That's what Vaishnava etiquette is about. How to appreciate everything in such a way that it becomes sacred. We can connect this with so many terms. For example, it comes to mind the idea of Sambandha. Sambandha Gyana which my Guru Maharaj translates it as, as a conceptual orientation. Or in other words, to, uh, to be educated about how everyone, everything, is somehow connected with its source. This is the very same source. We share a universal source. Some Banda means that. Banda means connected. And some means everything, fully. So how everything is fully connected with one universal source. And Everything is a Shakti, in other words, of Shakti Mam, of Bhagavan. So that's the very same idea here in Vaishnava etiquette, how to deal with everything in terms of sacredness. Of course, easier said than done, but at least we need to start to be um, informed about that. So Vaishnava etiquette, we, call, we may call it Vaishnava protocol, I don't know if you like that word that much, but whatever. 
but again, it's it's when I say this question of a protocol, again, I, I'm referring to, let's say, an all-pervading hmm, system that will be there in our interactions with everything. So that will be smooth, they will be pleasing, how we interact with things, how we interact with people in a pleasing way, in a smooth way. For example, we will speak in more detail in next lectures about this, but in connection to the sadhu, to Sri Guru, how to interact in order for knowledge to be transferred. Sri Guru's role is to share knowledge to the student, so how to act in such a way that knowledge is transferred in the best possible way, how the dealings should be done in a certain pattern properly, that will be pleasing for both parties, for the one who is giving, for the one who is receiving, in this case, knowledge, regarding my example. So how to do these things in the best possible way? So there is, some, is, there is an art to all that. And of course, as you may know, this is not an art that we, you will learn from one day to the other, and not even after going through all this series of lectures, but we have to begin somewhere. And I remember one uh, little Vaishnava etiquette booklet in Spanish, I read once, and at the end of the book, it said, okay, now you have read of the book, read it again, over and over again. <laughs> so eventually you become accustomed, and, and this becomes part of your DNA, if you will. Mm -hmm. So it's a gradual process. Mm -hmm. But again, it's a beautiful process, and it's all about proper regard for the sacredness of our process, of every item that is surrounding our world, our life, Vaishnavas, every person, every detail. Vaishnava etiquette is learning to conceive mm, and relate to sacredness. As I say, sacred places, sacred items, sacred people, mm, and everything. Because eventually, if everything has a connection to Bhagavan, mm, to our source, everything is sacred somehow or other. So Vaishnava etiquette ultimately is about learning to appreciate the sacredness everywhere. So, as you may already imagine, <laughs> Vaishnava etiquette is something, it's full of details. And I, I hopefully nobody goes mad with, <laughs> with this. But we have to also understand life is full of details. Spiritual life, especially, is all about details. To be detailed about this and that. And it, it, details will make the difference. Our advancement will be established about how much uh, dedication we are investing in details. Sometimes that's the way you will appreciate, oh, that person is especially advanced. No, He's putting so much of himself, herself, in, 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 in that thing that may seem a detail, but for that person becomes so crucial. So that's a very important thing. No? Details, sometimes when we say details... We may take it as superficial or secondary, not the most important thing. But again, when we receive proper orientation, details start to become especially important, like an ornament, like in a particular opportunity for expressing my, my devotion, my desire to please the object of my affection. So it's, it, it, the details are big portals, daily portals, that it, Vaishnava etiquette will try to point to. So we may be, when we have developed a new awareness, if you will, where every detail is crucial, and gradually we get closer to the psychology of the inhabitants of Vrindavan and Navadvi, 
were there, as you may see when you listen to the Lila, when you read the commentaries of our Acharyas, how much, from one detail, they make so much. But they are not exaggerating anything. That was there, but they played close attention to the detail. So our guru, my Guru Maharaj will say that. We have to pay close attention if you want to become a progressive devotee. Pay close attention, again, in the spirit of how to give myself in the most pleasing way hmm, to Bhagavan Guru Vaishnavas. Hmm, in a favorable way. That's important word here in connection to Vaishnava etiquette also. Hmm. Anukul. Hmm, when Srila Rupa Goswami describes the type of bhakti our school is about, he says, Anukul. Hmm, Krishnanu Silanam. Anukul Yena Krishnanu Silanam Bhakti Rutama. Anyabila Sita Sunyam Gyan Karmadina Britam. So Anukul means favorable. Hmm? Uh, you have to offer favorable service to Krishna, to Guru, Vaishnav, and that means not only to do something that pleases them, that's the beginning, of course, of Saranagati also, Anukulyas Sankalpa Pratikulyasya Varjanam. Hmm? We have to be educated about what, which are those things that are pleasing to the object of my affection, of my service, and I will do a firm determination to engage in them. I will try to be educated about those things which are not pleasing to the object of my affection and I will make a big sacrifice to avoid them. Even though at present my list may be upwards or inverted. No? What's favorable for Krishna, I realize, oh, that's what I feel I'm favorable for me. And what's unfavorable for Bhajan, I feel that's the most exciting thing in my prospect. <laughs> so the beginning of Saranagati, of faith, expressed in the form of Saranagati is, I understand that's the best for me and I will adjust. I will adapt. So that's the beginning. To be to embrace what's favorable, no matter how unfavorable I feel it. At least I should understand that's favorable, even though I feel it otherwise. I should understand, as Guru Rupa Goswami will say, sometimes you will feel something sweet as bitter, not because it's bitter actually, but because you have jaundice, <laughs> or whatever may be the analogy. So, Vaishnava etiquette is all about favorability, if that word exists at all, and what's pleasing for Krishna, Guru and Vaishnava. What's pleasing for us, actually, ultimately, because they represent the real criterion of pleasure, if you will. Whatever is pleasurable for them is what is actually pleasurable for, this, for the Atma, for us, in our real being. So, we have to reflect our prospect in, in their taste, if you will, and then we can find what should be ideally for us and gradually try to get closer to that again, without paranoia, without neurosis. So, anukul, or favorable, means I will engage in those things that I know that are pleasing to God, to Bhagavan, to Hari Guru Vaishnavas, but also an important point here, and this is a lot about Vaishnava etiquette, to have the intention of pleasing them. Not only let me know which is the magical list of those things that are pleasing to them, and I will do that, and I, I have the, form, the magic formula, and I'm already on that side doing that, but my intention is somewhere else. It's not at all like that. Sila Jiva Goswami gives the example of Kamsa, when he comments in this Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu's verse, Anukul. Hmm? Krishna Anusila Nama Nukulena. He says, Kamsa, 
Externally, he was doing something very pleasing to Krishna. Which, what was he doing? Say the scripture. Never forget God for a minute and always remember Him. So, that's the essence of all That's the sum of substance of all the Vedic injunctions. So, we, will, we may say, oh, Kamsa was there. He was all day long thinking about Krishna, absorbing him, never forgetting him, even during sleep. But the point is, so he was doing something that is pleasing to him, absorbing meditation. But his intention was not to give pleasure to Krishna. He was full of fear. He wanted to kill Krishna and so on. So Jiva Goswami says, this is not fully anukul. Anukul means I do something that is pleasing to the object of my service, and I have the intention of giving that pleasure. Those, those two things have to be there. Externally, I engage, let's say, my body in that particular action, but internally, I invest my mind and heart in trying to, to offer a favorable attitude. So, Vaishnava etiquette is about this. I'm emphasizing this because Vaishnava etiquette may seem like a list of rules. Do this, do this, don't do this, do this in this way, in this way. But at the end of the day, the, the important thing is what's your intention in doing that. And sometimes your intention is so nice, even though externally you may be doing that. Apparently, this place is Krishna, like the famous example of Bidura's wife offering banana peels to Krishna, which of course we cannot imitate if we don't have that particular bhav. But the main point is there. But in order to reach that bhav, some advice is there. Bhagavatam says something similar, Samsidir Haritoshnam. The essence of Dharma is those things that give pleasure to Hari. So, Vaishnava etiquette is about this, accommodating our lives according to the pleasure of Bhagavan. That's what's Mariada for us, what's rectitude, proper decorum or behavior. To align myself into a, into a set of advices that will be pleasurable for my Vishaya Lambana, the object of my affection. So, as I say, there are rules everywhere. There are conduct codes in society and every social circle. So, the same applies to us in the Gaudiya Vaishnava world. Now, it's a particular constellation with particular sensibilities. So, gradually, we should become acquainted with those. And as we may find certain behavioral codes in the world, and people will be considered ladies and gentlemen according to how they behave, behave in those terms in the same way Vaishnava etiquette comes to our life with certain codes certain inspirations so we may become real devotional ladies hmm? devotional gentlemen and, and we may get rid of bad uh, habits that we may have acquired most probably in our material life in this birth and unlimited previous birds. So it's a, it's a matter of replacing some scars. That's something that has to do with Vaishnava etiquette. And in this way, Vaishnava etiquette will mean Vaishnava education. So there are the two same letters, B, E. So Vaishnava etiquette or Vaishnava education. How to re-educate our approach to everything in a gradual way but understanding, hmm? there are some samskaras that are with me that are configuring my present sense of being that need to be replaced in order to invoke 
an ultimate sense of being in the context of bhakti. And again, this is a pra- gradual transubstantiation, as sometimes my Gurmash will say, of, of, from matter to spirit, from material uh, sense of identity to a spiritual one. So that's why I say before, we need to hear these points, these advices that Vaishnava etiquette is sharing over and over again in a natural way, since they become incorporated, no? they become part of us, mm? and they become a habit in our lives. No? First, we have the samskar, some impression, then we'll get some habit. When some samskars get together, we may speak in terms of vasanas, mm? we will develop habits, mm? and those habits put together, gradually we will, will create a new identity, basically. So the idea when we speak about Vaishnava etiquette is that this <clears throat> is not perceived as something forced or external, but basically, first of all, we should acknowledge that we may be in a forced and external situation now, <laughs> and we need some impetus to enter into a more natural uh, and eternal, permanent sense of identity. But to begin with, we need to start by receiving some particular samskars, bhakti samskars. Vaishnava etiquette has to do with Vaishnava samskars, bhakti samskars. So, Vaishnava etiquette ideally should become a lifestyle. It's not something external that do not belongs to me. Eventually, as I incorporate these samskars, these habits, eventually an identity is coming out of that. And when we say an identity, it has to do with a lifestyle. This is my life. Not this is part of my life. I have my life separate and some items that I sometimes incorporate. In the beginning it may be seen as such, but gradually we realize, oh, this is making my life. This is my life. (laughs) It's a gradual process. So, there are unlimited, again, nuanced expressions of Vaishnava etiquette. This is not just black or white or some universal formulaic magic that will be applicable for everyone at every single time, place and circumstance. Even each Vaishnava each mission will have their own particular ways of expressing some details in their Vaishnava eti, etiquette, some specific details in this mission, in that mission, some uh, unique emphasis, hmm, stress on some specific points according to the mood of their Acharya, if you will. And so. And that's nice, that's beautiful. That's the diversity in the Gaudiya landscape. And of course, each one of us, according to who is your Gurudev, who is the Sangha you are in, which are the main devotional influences, some specific uh, aspects would be, will be particularly presented or emphasized and so on. So we will share, of course, here some general idea of all this. And of course, you may imagine that all this uh, has also not only general application but individual and each of you as individuals also should know how to incorporate that in the best possible way sometimes that requires some more personalized following so i'm not there for that in each and every of your cases nor maybe your own guru may be there but hopefully somehow or other all of us take advantage from this and are able to properly digest that and of course we can share any topics or questions in this series so, uh, give me some more minutes before finishing, and of course, at the end, as usual, we will have some Q&A in case you have any doubts or questions. 
But also I must say that this idea of Vaishnava etiquette has been uh, very clearly presented in Mahaprabhu's life. In Chaitanya Charitamrita especially we see this when Mahaprabhu have some exchange with Srila Sanatana Goswami. Uh, you can see this in the Madhya Lila chapter 20 and some other chapters there. The Mahaprabhu is instructing Sri Sanatan Goswami but about this, about Mariat Sadachar. And as you know, Mahaprabhu was instructing and empowering all the Goswamis for different specific uh, tasks. And interestingly, Mahaprabhu inspired and, and requested Sanatan Goswami, please compile a book about this for our Gaudiya Sampradaya, if you will, make the Vaishnava etiquette book. <laughs> and interestingly, Sanatana Goswami also is known as the, he's known as the Sambanda Acharya. Rupa Goswami more connected with Abhideya, Raghunadas with Prayajan and so on. So Sambanda belongs, that department belongs, is under the care of Sanatana Goswami. As, as we say before, Sambanda has a lot to do with Vaishnava etiquette, how to approach everything in a sacred way. So the same person who was entrusted to speaking about Sambanda was the one that Mahaprabhu asked, please speak about Vaishnava etiquette. So, and, in he, and the main book he wrote about it is Hari Bhakti Vilas. That's a Gaudiya Smriti, and that's the main book about how to do everything. And of course, it has to be properly dealt with, because, again, you can become too much overwhelmed by details. <laughs> so we should learn how to follow them, also considering the relative application of some of those injunctions, their essential principle and details and so on, but he will be speaking there even from how to brush your teeth. <laughs> but also the point is here not to go neurotic, but to understand, okay, even the brushing of my teeth has the potential for a Vaishnava, have the potential to be of com like transforming an offering for Krishna. So that, that's the point. You should brush your teeth like this, you can go to the bathroom and pass tool like that, if you will, <laughs> whatever. And you may feel that's too much. But the point is, the potential is there to make every single act, even the most so-called ordinary daily acts, how to make them an offering to, to Bhagavan. I always remember Thomas Merton quote, he will say, your salvation begins in the most ordinary moments of your daily life. <laughs> when you start to deal with them in an extraordinary way. Hmm? So again, this, this type of rules that we will find in a book like Hari Bhakti Vilas or in other consideration of Vaishnava etiquette, they are not whimsical codes, hmm? but they are very sensitive revelations about what pleases, pleases Krishna the most in every single detail. And that's what love is about. When you are in love with someone, every detail becomes, again, a portal, a chance to fully offer yourself to that person. So, the, all this Vaishnava etiquette is there to begin in that connection. So, each daily moment, even the most ordinary, so-called ordinary ones, they may be blessed, they may be aligned with the proper behavior. So, Sanatan Goswami has become, by the instruction and will of Mahaprabhu, the, the Acharya of Achar. The Achar Acharya, where Acharya means that, actually. Someone who is teaching by example, but in this case, He's the Mariada Acharya or the Vaishnava etiquette Acharya in our Sampradaya. So, so let me share you one verse that we will share today before closing, which is a very nice one. I will share in the in the in the chat for all of you, where Sanatan Goswami is being instructed by Mahaprabhu. 
There it is. And uh, this verse is found, as you can see, in the Antelila section of Chaitanya Charitamrita, 4th chapter. There are two verses, actually, 129, 130, but I mainly want to focus on the second one, uh, where, again, Mahaprabhu is instructing our Mariyad Acharya, Srila Sanatana Goswami. So I'll read the verse in Bengali, read the translation and share some few words before finishing. Yadyapya tumihao jagata pavan tumas parse pavitra hai deva monigan tathapi bhakta swabhav maryada rakshan maryada phalan hai sadhura bhushan. So Mahaprabhu say, my dear Sanatan, although you are the deliverer of the entire universe and although even the demigods and great saints are purified by touching you, now comes the second verse, it is the characteristic of a devotee to observe and protect the Vaishnava etiquette. Maintenance of the Vaishnava etiquette is the ornament of a devotee. So, this is the main point. No? Second verse. Tathapi Bhakta Swabhav. Bhakta Swabhav means the nature of a Bhakta, the, the natural expression of someone who has Bhakti, Maryada Rakshan. Maryada, as we said, is Vaishnava etiquette. And Rakshan means like Rakshak. Rakshisha Tibishwa, so to protect. Protect means to observe, to be aligned with, actually. Mm? Proper behavior. Mariada mm? Falan. Falan means Falan means like nourishing or maintaining. Sadhura Bhushan. So, to keep Vaishnav etiquette according to Mahaprabhu is Sadhura Bhushan. Mm? Means the ornament of a devotee. Bhushan means ornament, decoration. So, that's a very beautiful way of putting it. Mm? If we want to increase our beauty, okay, we may follow Vaishnava etiquette. That will, that, there will be the real beauty of a sadhu. Hmm? A sadhu will increase his or her sadhuness by embracing this idea of Mariad more and more. That's the real ornament. Hmm? That's what pleases Krishna the most, and that was beautifies the devotee the most, basically. That's the idea. Hmm? So in this section of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, also Mahaprabhu has shared many many occasions, I won't share all of them, but how pleased he is when he sees his devotees following Mariad. Again, this has to be something, a natural conclusion that we will be embracing, not some social pressure, um, because of fear, I have to do this, because Mahaprabhu is pleased, I have to do, no, I want to. I want to because I know the object of my love is pleased with that. Hmm? And Mahaprabhu himself, he did not only say these words, but he himself showed through his example how this Vaishnava etiquette, this Mariyad, this behavior is not only so uh, beneficial for one's own bhajan, but it's the most powerful way also of instructing others. We also will use, spend some lectures speaking about the principle of prachar, or sharing this with others, and how Vaishnava etiquette is crucial. But in brief words, we know Mahaprabhu, he never, basically, he didn't write any book. Hmm? Uh, he even, he instructed, of course, through his mouth, lotus mouth, but sometimes in his Acharya Lila, his Mahaprabhu is Krishna in his Acharya Lila, so Achar means, again, Vajnava etiquette, Sadachar. And sometimes, as we know, he converted the highest pandit of all India just in being in silence. Hmm? Or, or, or just making some jokes with whatever, here and there. Hmm? So, Venkatavata, Sarvabhoma, 
were converted just by Mahaprabhu's following, we could say, of Vaishnava etiquette, by, by Mahaprabhu's achar. And between those few things that are officially connected to what Mahaprabhu said, we have the famous third verse of Sikshastakam, that of course I won't enter into detail, but for sure you have to know it, please. Trinada Visunichena, Tarora Pisaishnuna, Amanina Monadina Kirtaniya Sadahari. We could say this is a summary of the whole Vaishnava etiquette. If you really follow this verse from tip to toe, you don't have to be concerned about anything else <laughs> because everything is there. So much is, is in those few lines. Hmm? Not speaking about being humble, being tolerant, giving respect, not expecting that, being so engaged in respecting others that you don't have time for you to be respected, basically. Hmm? And Krishna Das Kavira said, by chanting Harinam, by I'm following this verse, that's a formula to reach Prem. Because by chanting, by in following this verse, there is no possibility of operat. So again, this is connected to Vaishnava etiquette. Proper decorum, proper example of the devotee. And we know aparad is those things, the main obstacle in our reaching the ultimate goal. And we may engage in aparad unconsciously. That won't be so grave or delicate, but even worse, we may engage in aparad consciously. So, Vaishnava etiquette or sadhachar actually comes to our life to free us from offenses, to share with us. How can we act in such a way to avoid offenses? That was, in one sense, Vaishnava etiquette about. And, and in this way, by following Vaishnava etiquette, our behavior will be devoid of offenses, and we will make so much quicker advancement, and we will please Guru and Krishna the most. Basically, that's the, the problem with offenses. It's, they are not something pleasing to Krishna and Guru, and that's why we want to avoid them. Not because of some neurotic, again, paranoia, but because we know... That will spoil the offering, if you will. <laughs> no, the offering won't be so pleasing to, to them. So I will be very careful about not engaging them. So Vaishnava etiquette, in other words, is the proper behavior to accompany our chanting. Trinada Pisuni chain is another way of putting that. We have to chant Harinam daily, but there is a behavior that is expected from the chanter. So this third verse is about that, and Vaishnava etiquette is about that verse as well. So we could resume, like, like summarize like that. Hmm? Vaishnava etiquette is the best possible way of engaging hmm, in chanting Harinam. So that, will, that should be there to nourish, again, our chanting. And our chanting should nourish our walking, as Gurumash, my Gurumash will put it. No, you're sitting, or you're walking. One should nourish the other. Hmm? And I repeat this again, just in case, because I think, unfortunately, there hasn't been some some scars created in some sections of the Gaudiya society, so it's important to to, to, to take resort to the Nyaka Nyaya, posting, hammering the post. So, Vaishnava etiquette has nothing to do with fear, neurosis, but exactly the opposite. Faith, confidence. I have faith and confidence in some sadhus, so I will follow naturally their behavior. I want to please them. The result of having faith in a saintly person is that I will uh, relate the, with the Vaishnav every time in the best possible way. It has nothing to do with fear or calculation. So that's what Vaishnava etiquette is about. It's a natural uh, result 
of being touched by some sadhu and I want to do my be my best possible self in their service. It's not something about learning certain rules again and 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 thinking I doing this perfectly and having that ego and criticizing others because they are doing that wrongly and, and at the end I start treating badly wrongly, mistreating all the Vaishnavs. <laughs> that was the exact opposite idea of Vaishnava etiquette. And becomes totally attached to a technicality like you have to eat the hands is this, you have to sleep in that direction, that cardinal point, look there, move like this and a totally no external thing without heart, if you will. So everything should be pro properly balanced. And there it comes just for me to finish my today's exposition, the, the concept of Niyamagraha. And this concept deserves a whole series of lectures by itself. But what to do? I have to say something about it. So Niyamagraha is mentioned by Srila Rupa Goswami in his second verse of uh, Upadashambrita. He says, Atyahara Priyasas Cha Prayalpo Niyamagraha there he mentions six items that will spoil your bhakti. After that he will speak those things that will nourish it. But he first starts saying in the indirect way, you want to spoil your devotional practice? I hope not. But just in case, he's sharing the formula for you to avoid it. So one of these six items he mentioned is Niyamagraha, which according to one grammatical variation in one of the A's in the word, longer or shorter, it can have twofold meaning. One of them is, and there are two extremes, Those, the two of them are to be avoided. One is to follow rules and regulations without understanding their meaning. Just mechanically, imitation, in an imitation way, externally, he said that's not healthy. But the opposite extreme is, to reject all rules and regulations and behave in a whimsical way, that's also totally, uh, that will spoil your bhakti. So the idea, of course, is not to go nor to one extreme nor to the other, not to become traumatized with rules and don't want to follow any rule because we are followers of the Raghavakti mark, mark, we are spontaneous people, I mean, and we may not be up to the occasion yet. <laughs> But not to the other extreme, that we only get overtly attached to the external following of the rule, and we miss the, the life of the rule, the heart of the rule. So we should always be in the middle path, because only in the middle path, or middle path is the only place where things really work, where things really happen, where we can have an experience in, in the present moment, we can have a, an insect. If you go to one extreme or the other, it will be just your mental projection, who knows which uh, journey, mental journey. But middle point path balance will be the necessary thing here regarding how to avoid these extremes. So let me show you some famous examples in Shastra, especially about the one of following something without knowing why you are doing that in a mechanical way. That and then There may be some first moments to do that, you may imitate, or my Guru Maharaj will say imitation of the good thing is a good thing, to begin with, now he makes that point, in the beginning, like when you are a baby and you imitate your parents, but eventually you have to develop a life of your own, even though there may be some influence there from them. So one of the stories is the famous one, there was some Bhagavat uh, Kata going on, and there was one 
the one who was speaking about the Bhagavad, the, the audience was there, suddenly a cat came and started to you know, to ask for something to eat. As you know, cats start to, to make their sound in that connection. So the Bhagavad speaker said, put some milk to the cat, because if not, he's disturbing the, the lecture. So some milk was brought, and of course, as you may imagine, next day the cat was there. <laughs> so of course, cat was there for the second day, asking for further milk, so further milk was brought, and this became part of a daily affair for day after day after month and years, till the cat left this world. So the cat left this world, but before the cat had left this world, the Bhagavad exposer was all, had also left this world, so there was a new one who just came and started to give Bhagavad Gita, and the cat was there as part of this scenario. So when the cat left, this person said, oh, we have to bring another cat now, because if not, we cannot continue with the whole Bhagavad session. It's part of the paraphernalia. <laughs> so that's one example of where you following something and actually and, and absolutizing something which was relative, if you will, and not understanding which was the background for that. Or some other example is someone who was, <clears throat> famous example also Vedic, someone was shaved, no, because Dinesh died. So that person came to the shop and was shaved, and the person said, why are you shaven? Shaven. Well, have you shaven? Because Dinesh died. Oh, and that person shaves his head. And he goes to the house, and his wife sees him shaven. Why shaved? Oh, Dinesh died. Oh, see, she shaves herself even. So she goes to another friend, the same question, this guy asked, Dinesh has died, the guy no, shaved his head, and this guy worked for the king, so eventually he goes the next day to the king kingdom, and the king asks him, why are, have you shaven your head? Oh, at this point, half of the town was shaved. <laughs> so the king asked uh, ask this, and the person said, well, because Dinesh has died. So... Of course, but the king in this point asked, but who is Dinesh? So the person didn't know who is Dinesh. So he went and asked the other lady, who is Dinesh? And they, they asked the other one, who is Dinesh? And, who is Dinesh? and nobody knew who is Dinesh. So eventually they go to the very original person, who is Dinesh? I say, oh, he was my little dog. I've loved him so much and he died. So the whole town was shaven thinking, who knows what? And... But that was the particular background of the situation. Hmm? So in this way, hmm? uh, and on the opposite also, hmm? again, we may be doing something which, is, which has a very authorized background and should be followed, hmm? but we may be conducting in those things in a niyamagraha-ness, no? niyamagraha-like way, no? things that may be purified, that will be also purified, we purify us, but we, would, we should know ideally why, what's the proper reason for that, not just to imitate. Hmm? Because that's the idea, like the famous example of Putana. No? Krishna said, oh, she's wearing Vaishnavi dress. How nice. But Salya position, of course, that was an example of Kripa City, extreme mercy. But the point is, she was just wearing Vaishnava dress, even though he, she didn't really embrace that idea properly. So the point of this is, well, if such a thing is there and is favorable, even if you don't know the proper background of that kaimutyanyaya, what if I properly do it with the proper understanding, with the proper awareness, and with the proper favorable attitude? 
That's the whole idea of this type of examples. Ajamila chanted Namabas, he was sent to Vaikuntha. But the point is, what if I chant Sudanam? Now, that's the whole idea of this story. So which, if I become properly educated. Hmm? So basically that's what I want to share today. Some introduction to Vaishnava etiquette and some hopefully encouragement for you to feel some prospect in following it. Because even if most Sometimes may happen, most of the practitioners may not be following, or maybe not even concerned about knowing about it. It doesn't mean that we should imitate them. That we, oh no, most of the devotees I know are not very concerned about Vaishnava ethics, so I'm not either. No, that's not the point. Some people may reject Vaishnava etiquette with a good reason, but in the sense of some distorted form of it. Some people may be following some part of it without the best reason from a wrong side, or someone may be rejecting from the wrong reason and following with the good reason. So hopefully we are in the proper <laughs> place in this connection. And again, just to begin to end, to end my exposition, hopefully we understand this idea of following these rules that we will be sharing starting from the next lecture more in detail in the context that they are promoting love. Guru, my Guru Mahesh will say rules are to be broken, but in order to embrace a higher rule. And you can only break a rule after you have followed it properly. That's the whole idea. And you break a rule for embracing a more broad one, a broader one, to embrace the higher principles. So, again, and we should not imitate the Guru, because sometimes the Guru may, may have broken many rules after following them. And maybe we get to know him or her 30 years after he broke so many rules and followed so many rules. And we may find him in a particular situation and think, okay, he's like that. I'm his disciple. I have to follow him. But, but he, again, maybe probably have followed many rules that I don't even aware of. That first I need to be aware of, follow them. So eventually I may break them <laughs> to embrace the higher principle. So that's the difference between Anukar and Anusar. Hmm? to imitate Anukar and to Anusar, to follow the essence of the example of that person. Hmm? Once Shilasir Maharaj said that, he said, I, I, I cannot, I, I am, I'm more strict, he said, than, than my Guru Maharaj, because I'm not in his position. Interesting point, because sometimes we may say, no, but Guru Maharaj is doing this. Yeah, but he's in a particular position for doing that. And for sure, he has done so many other things before in order to be there and do that. So the question is, I am there. Have I gone through the thing he or she has gone? And so on. And that's what makes the whole difference between imitating the sadhu and following the footsteps of the sadhu. Try to follow the analogy. Following the footsteps means the person has left some footsteps, have walked a particular path, and now it's in a particular situation. So you go through all those steps to reach that place and not just try jumping there and rushing in that direction. So it's important to understand this. A sadhu, high sadhu may not be too much concerned about the certain details of Vaishnava etiquette because that person have reached the ultimate fruit of it, maybe situated in bhava and more than that. But what about us? So again, it has to do a lot with sincerity to ourselves. So again, on one side, we may say Vaishnava etiquette has to do with rules, may have to do with rules, may have to do with the idea of Bhaiti, because also in Bhaiti Bhakti there is Vaishnava etiquette, so there is awe and reverence and there is Vaishnava etiquette for that. 
But for us as aspirant Raga Bhaktas, ultimately, this has Vaishnava etiquette has all to do with Raga Bhakti. And let me finish with this idea. We are Raga Bhaktas, at least we belong to that school and we want to thread the path towards Braj, Anityanabhadvip. So, Raga Bhakti is all about following the footsteps of the Brajabhasis. And of course, how to do that in our particular situation also it implies how those Brajabhasis express themselves in terms of Gaur Lila as sadakas how that idea extends to us in the form of Guru Parampara. So how, basically, Raghavakta means to follow in the footsteps of the Guru, Gurus and Sadhus. Dharmasitattvam nihitanguhayam mahajano jena gatasapanta, says Mahabharata. The essence of Dharma means to follow in the footsteps of the Sadhus. The essence of Dharma is hidden in the heart of the Mahajans, of the great souls. So we will follow that this is not something formulaic. Do this, do this, do this, it works. No? By, but basically, attach yourself to a particular sadhu, and, that's, uh, and that will work. No, Raganuga Bhakti is that. Raganuga is based on love, attachment. And for example, when you love someone, and with this I, will, I promise I will finish, <laughs> when you love someone, hmm, on some level, you are attached on some level, you have affection for someone on some level, I'm speaking here in terms of a sadhu, you naturally want to please, or beyond the sadhu you can apply this, when you love someone, you naturally want to please that person, and you naturally will avoid those things that displease him or her. It's not that you have to take some special bow for that, no? It will come out of your attachment and love for that person, naturally. So in this sense, Raghunuga Bhakti is not based on vows and promises uh, and rules in one sense, but it's based on attachment to someone and following that and adapting yourself to whatever is pleasing and not pleasing to that person. In this case, we could say it's based on, one, on a loving relationship with one's guru, or one's gurus, not to limit that to only one person. That's what, how Raga Nuga Bhakti will work for us. There has to be attachment for a particular representative. And okay, in the beginning, the loving relationship may not be there. There may not be the greatest attachment on earth. But at least, of course, we should have implicit faith that following one's gurus is for one's own benefit. Because if we don't have either, even that faith, what we are doing, we are forcing ourselves in something. So that's the idea of Raganuga. No? My guru, I love my guru, I love my sadhu, if you will. And whatever likes him or her, or dislikes him or her, uh, I will make my list of do's and don'ts. That will become my life. That will become my rule. But that's a rule that is coming out of love. So that has to do with sadhachar. Sadhachar, mariat, vaishnava, etiquette will not be obtained just by memorizing, learning by heart some handbook of instructions in a mechanical way, but in a particular association, in the context of service, of surrender to the sadhus. So, we have spoken about sadhus, and I, I hopefully next, I think next lecture we will be continuing in that direction. Vaishnava etiquette, focusing the idea of our relationship with sadhus and so on, which is, it's my main point of this whole discussion. But I will put my discourse to rest here. Uh, 
And again, I'm reminding something before turning to questions for those who are connected, have connected in the, between the lecture. If you have any suggestion or any idea you may like to me to speak about in the context of Vaishnava etiquette, you may share some, I will say, better private message so you can share with me, which will be something that interests you most probably. Hopefully it's also already included in, in what I have in mind for sharing, but who knows? It can ever, it can always be something new. So that's it. Uh, we can leave some few minutes for any questions you may have. So let me, uh, just in case anyone has a question, I'm just giving their permission for you to activate the the mic, or if you may like to share it in written form or whatever, however you may prefer. We have some minutes for that for this like opportunity I, I was actually about to like write you a message but now I think it's easier to ask you so I'm not um, sure but I'm sure you can help me so there I heard this one story about like I don't know who I don't know what their names were but it was basically that somebody um, I think also this is what Maharaj was talking about but I really can't recall the names right now but basically it was uh, some like real elevated soul and I think he was like sitting in a tree or something and he was like in deep meditation and uh, so in the meditation he saw something funny so that's why he was laughing mm -hmm. but at the same time you know what I'm talking about so I'm um, I'm when I heard that you know he was laughing about this like I don't like crippled person or something well it appeared that he was but he wasn't really it was not his intention but still uh, somehow, maybe you can shed light on this, he was still kind of punished for it. And I thought this was really unfair <laughs> because <laughs> it was not his intention. And can you say something? To, I mean, these, these stories are there to like instruct us, but I thought this was unfair. <laughs> okay. Yes, that's, that's some well kind of well-known story that at the same time, if you will, it's, it's more part of the oral tradition it's not such a... Concerning Rupa Goswami, the story makes Rupa Goswami the, the, the main character of the story, the one who, whose meditation was interrupted. But actually, to be fair, that story is not, I mean, fully confirmed. It's not part of some of our main books, but it's kind of, again, oral tradition, but not present in the Shastra. But even if we may like to contemplate the possibility of such story... I would say, I, I, I get your point, yeah, why he was not, he was absorbing Krishna Lila, why he was having to pay, if you will, for someone else's uh, misreading of his laughing, if you will. But that shows, that wants to make a point. Again, Srila Rupa Goswami is beyond uh, what's fair and what's not fair, and he's an eternal liberated soul, and he's being used, if you will. If we want to take the story as real, He's being used as, as an example for us, no? to make a point. And the point may be, because the crippled person was also a Vaishnava. Interestingly, no? it was not as high as Srila Rupa Goswami, because if not, that person will have understood which was the background of Srila Rupa Goswami's laughter. <laughs> but the fact that he misread that speaks that he was not there, if you will. He was not fully able to... To, to read Rupa Goswami's inner landscape. But anyhow, he was a Vaishnava, and, 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 and he felt himself bad. 
And the whole idea, of course, again, and this should not take us to neurosis, because, of course, we could say, well, if I'm, tr I'm trying to be honest, I'm trying to do things properly, and someone misread my whatever behavior, and, and our behavior is not that of Rupa Goswami, <laughs> by whatever the case, and I cannot, I mean, I cannot do anything to avoid that, but the point will be, here is, Rupa Goswami felt my, my meditation was interrupted, and he said, some Vaishnav may have felt offended by me. So he, again, we are not promoting neurosis, but the point being made is, even if accidentally some Vaishnav, no, good Vaishnav, but it's still not highest realization, misread some of my attitudes that felt wrong, and I know about that, of course I may not have to go neurotic and take full responsibility because, I mean, it was his, her misreading, but I will try to, like, uh, compensate that. I will try to look for that person and relieve her uh, bad reading, misreading of, of what was going on because I appreciate he, she is a Vaishnav, no? I, I think that's the main point there. Rupa Goswami went and looked for that person and tried to make the situation clear. Mm -hmm. Of course, we are not Rupa Goswami again, so in our particular present situation, I will say that's the more, the most, the healthiest stance, no? Because again, we, we live in a world where there's a lot of victim consciousness and and so many people blaming you because they don't want to take responsibility for their own and so many things. And those things may filter into the Gaudiya society in, in those who are not yet fully mature. So we, don't, we shouldn't be like neurotic about that and ascribe everyone's uh, guilt towards us and we are guilty for everything and became crazy. That's not the... the the idea of the story, but if there is some good Vaishnav who misread something for whatever reason in connection to me, and that has affected his or her situation, that's the point. If, if, if someone who is a good Vaishnav was affected, good or bad reason because of his or her mistake, somehow or other that will affect me. In that way. So I will, I will, I will want to do something about that. I will try to to help to solve that, even though I was not the of the guilty one, <laughs> but somehow or other a Vaishnav was affected by my behavior, even though I, I was doing the best, my best, but the person was affected, who knows why, and he's a Vaishnav. So the point is, is a Vaishnav, he or she was affected, I want to serve the Vaishnavs, even though it was not for the highest reason, no, I, I want to be humble, and even if the person was mistaken, I want to serve that person, so next time is not engaging in the same mistake. Something like this, no? So I think we should take that type of of, of teaching from, from that story, which again, we don't know how true it was. <laughs> but we can make that type of point there. So I hope that helps. Uh, uh, yeah, can, can, I, can I say something? Yes. Like, this is just like broadening my horizons and it's really like touching me so I'm really thankful that you shared this and what you said like we are not on the level of like Rupa Goswami and what just came to my mind now is that um, you know something something almost similar is like when um, Vishnu I mean he wasn't neurotic either but he was like uh, kind of protecting Jai and Vijay too right mm -hmm. when they were like offending and, and he was just like oh and there, he was like 
they're like my my body they're like my family so i am so sorry and that's just it's just incredible really thank yeah. you yeah yeah of course and, and in many of these stories like the one you have shared actually in the bhagavad and it is shared that actually jai be jai behave in that way because there was they were inspired by Vishnu to do so because there's the whole background to the whole story so we could say something similar in the case of someone like Rupa Goswami. No, I mean, Bhagavan was beyond that, orchestrating some specific situation and, and his pure surrender devotees were instrumental in that. So it's part of a particular lila, if you will. <laughs> but yeah, we as sadhakas are to, to draw those particular instructions according to our specific position. No? Okay. So there is one question, a bit of brief one by Shamananda in the chat here. He's asking, what's, what was the other word along with nis, Niskapata? The other word was Sharalata. I'm writing it just in case, which has to do with simplicity. Hmm? So again, it's like synonymous. No? Simplicity and non-duplicity. Hmm? So it's another way of saying the same, but trying to make it more clear. Okay. Something else before we finish today? Okay. So it seems we have no more questions here. So we could uh, close here today. So thank you very much for your time, your presence. I'm very happy to have such nice assembly of international Vaishnavs here present from many different corners of the world. So I'm very honored by your association and hope this series of lectures may be nourishing for you and in this way I may serve you and your respective Sangha in the best possible way. So thank you very much and see you next uh, Monday. Next Monday we will continue with our next meeting. Srila Gurudev Ki Jai Shri Man Mahaprabhu ki jai, Shri Harinam Sankirtan ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrind ki jai, Gaur Pramananda Haribol.